Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian. And this week, I'm joined here by Dwayne. Going, What's up? Sebastian. Go down, man. <clears throat> How's your week going? Um, busy. I feel like this is the like one of the longest high school weeks I've had. Yeah. Just because of the amount of games, just three games in a week is always tough. Um, and and within that, three games that that were tough or well i saw one today but um you know three games that that present their own challenges within within it and uh so monday we played against st george's in a really really tough loss in overtime in the last like 20 seconds of the game um but i was very very proud of the team and how they played um and then wednesday uh we played glasgow which which uh, an opponent that that on paper are going into the game is it is an opponent that that we have the ability to beat um but coming off of the tough loss on monday it was and th- how physically draining it was it was really more about the the reaction and how the players were able to overcome that and and be able to still really play at a high level um and they did and they came away with a with a big win against glasgow and that was an opponent that last year because our schedule pretty much matches up with our schedule from last year Kind of the same thing. We played St. George's and then went to Glasgow and struggled at beating them um, because it was the mental part of it that was that was difficult. So um, they they overcame that really well and actually completely outplayed them the majority of the game. It's one of those things where there's uh, no turf fields north of the canal in Delaware. What did you notice that there are no oh for public schools there are no public schools that have a turf field. North of the canal in Delaware, Howard. Is it a part? Is it their school? No, technically no. Right. So there's. I mean, they have the. I mean, every high school has the ability to play on turf, right? But they've got to go yeah. rent it. But no public schools own their own turf field. So every time you travel away to a public school in northern Delaware, I mean, it's a grass. You don't know if they have good grass. They got bad grass. It's always an adjustment. Yeah, it's true. Right? Like you think about it, Glasgow does not have a pretty field. No. So there's an adjustment right there. The ball's going to roll a different way. Yeah, so that was that was, a, that was a thing last a spot year. of crabgrass. That was the thing last year. Luckily, this year we were, play, we were able to play them at home, and then we played Concord away today, um, which is a big, big conference opponent, which, you know, last year was a tough loss against them. So I think, again, hopefully this year we're able to bounce back and 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 have a – you know, start start wrapping up the season. Um, but I will say this has been one of the most enjoyable soccer seasons I've ever had. With yeah. Team. Well, it's always enjoyable when you're winning, man. You're no, winning but re- besides that, right? I've, I've been on winning teams before and I've been on losing teams before. Like, it, it, it genuinely has been one of the most just really cool experiences I've had, I think from, from a couple of different reasons, I think one, um, we were able to adjust to the coaching changes we had at the last minute and, and, and be able to really enjoy working with each other, which is good. Um, at the same time, we were the, the players I think are, are, you know, potentially bought in to what we're doing right there, which is helpful, right? Like if your team's not bought in, it becomes an uphill battle and it becomes a lot harder. Um, so we're we're really excited. It's it's going to be good. Um, I'm excited for today. Um, 
and what the potential of of us winning that game means. Um. So, so yeah. So overall, you gotta uh, row the boat. Yeah, yeah. The boat. New, the new hype videos out. Uh, the longer the extended version of the hype videos out. You should check out that hype video. Yeah, make sure you check it out. Uh, Odessa Girl Soccer on Instagram. Check it out. Um, RTS Production. No, art. Yeah, RTS Productions. Tony Visuals. Check them out. Tony Visuals with a Z. Um, but yeah. Um, so overall, good stuff. And you're going to a tournament this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to the PA Challenger Cup. Um, I think there's like over 200 teams. Uh, girls only. Um, at this tournament, you know, really good tournament for, you know, it's always a good tournament. We have three, four or more brackets in like every age group. So, you know, there's a lot of quality. There's a lot of teams showing up. So, yeah, I've got, you know, three games. You know, hopefully we finish first. We go to that final, make it back to back tournaments in the final. If not, I know we're going to play some really good competition. And it's, you know, part of the theme this year is, or this spring is just playing really good competition and being consistent. And playing that competition, right? Yeah. Can everybody have their role within that? Those games and just be really, really good. Like yeah. challenging the kids, you can't you can't have any off days. You got to be really, really good. Your off days end up being, you know, four nothing losses. So, right. That's the challenge. They realized what an off day would look like real quick when they had an off day. <laughs> um. No, that's that's good. Um. And then it's back to the league schedule because we've only played one league game and it's yeah, May. Yeah, it's, it's just, you had that same thing happen in the fall. Yeah, um, this is more by our design, I guess. Well, not really. We had a rain out, so we should have two. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, really, I don't know. Just tournaments, man. Forget the league <laughs> games. Um, and then we got the diamond schedule is, is going to be announced soon. We we have a tentative schedule. We're working on finalizing uh, dates and times. Six games this year. So the eight. Um, Six, six, yeah, which I'm actually happy about. I, I prefer the six over the eight. I think six, yeah. I mean, I think eight, we were kind of cramming, you know, cramming those Wednesday a lot, games, cramming yeah. those midweek games. Yeah. Um, but six is six is good. Um, three at home, three away, playing north and south this year, going going south, going to Baltimore this year. East. West. What I mean, it's still south, south. You south. just get on your. You just got to leave your house and get on Route Forty and just keep and roll. Yeah, you roll right into Baltimore. There you yeah. go. You don't even have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so excited for that. We'll announce. We'll announce that. Um, once we have it, we'll we'll announce the first home game. Um, in our new, in our new home, new, uh, home. new home. So excited for that. Um, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll lock in and solidify the new coaching staff. Yeah. Diamonds create pressure. Um, yeah, pressure creates diamonds. Whatever. Yeah. So we're trying to we're trying to pressure some coaches into coaching. <laughs> Not pressuring anybody. No, no, no. We're just pressuring uh, them to uh, hit that push the start button and yeah, roll drive. up. Yeah. Um, so coaching, pushing coaching gear. To on. be honest with you, to be honest with you, that coach might be able to like just pick up kids along the way and turn it into a bus. Yeah, you're gonna give people the wrong idea of what coach you're, you're talking about. No, it's not Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna give you're gonna give people some. Although, uh, al- although if Dan wants to roll up as well, he can jump on that other car and roll up as well. You know, um, Dan. Dan's got the bus, man. 
but we got we're I'm I, I'm I'm in the process of convincing a uh, an OG coach to come back from the first year. Well, OG from the first year. Well, wasn't a coach the first year. Was more on the uh, administrative operations side of it. He was an advisor. He was an advisor and fetching soccer balls every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. So I might I might convince him, and this might be the first he's hearing of it as uh, as he's listening to this. Depending on when he listens to this episode, but but yeah, well, I already know we already know someone else that's going to be taking a stab at it once this episode airs. One of our faithful listeners, who BF, she's trying to coach. No, I said she's going to be trying to take a stab at who. Oh, the coach I, oh I, who it? I, who it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, We want to make sure. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to take a guess, feel free to message us on Instagram. If you have our personal phone numbers. Uh, feel free to text us. Uh, don't, call me. Don't, call don't, me. don't call us. Don't call us. Just text us. Don't don't please don't call us. Um, uh, but yeah, make, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DE Soccer Podcast at D Soccer Podcast. Follow the Diamonds at DE Diamonds UWS. Um, yeah, make sure you you come out and, and support the the Diamonds. We're we're excited for the season. Got a, got a brand new roster or not a new, brand new roster, but a lot of new players, a lot of returning players. Um, trying to still lock in some some final spots, maybe trying to bring back some OG players. OG players, some OG players from the first year, hopefully. Um, and trying to make a trying to make a statement this year. Year three, I think, is going to be our year. Learning experience for the last two years, I feel like Dwayne and I have matured. Uh, we know what we're getting ourselves into now. Um, and- well, we know what to expect, right? We knew what to expect the first year. Then the second year comes, and you know, we we were always one of the new teams. Yeah. And what Francisco said, it takes three years, right? Yeah. Three, four years to kind of get get yeah. a rhythm, get established, get that those kids in and just keep playing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, today we have an interview uh from the convention. We're running out and we need to start booking some guests. So if you want to come on the podcast, let us know. Uh, but um yeah, we got an interview today. Um interviewing uh Amy Winley. One of my one of my former coworkers back in Tennessee. We ran into Amy in the streets. We did run into Amy in the street, uh, like our first night. Uh, I know that lady. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So we got Amy Winley. Um, we'll talk to her about um, all the work that she did for the Tennessee Soccer Association. Yeah, get ready. Get ready for some some southern hospitality with this interview. That's right. Yeah, um, and potentially some some insight as to me, me and my Knoxville days. Yeah, to see what I was like. Yeah, with hair. <laughs> Dwayne, this is going to be one of the few times, or actually, only the only other time outside of Fields Brown, um, that you'll get to hear about me the younger sebastian the younger with, sebastian with the younger sebastian with hair that that was shy a little more shy uh that was uh was trying to find his coaching voice um and was trying to figure out what this uh soccer world or soccer coaching world meant and one of the people that that i got to meet along the way that um that helped me that 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 showed me the fun of coaching soccer and how enjoyable it can be, and especially the the connect the connections that you can have from a from a player perspective uh, is our guest today, and that's Amy Winley. Hi, Amy. Hey, Sebastian. I'm so excited to be on here with you, or 
as I used to know him, Baby Bash. Yeah, Baby <laughs> Bash. Amy, you've got an accent. Where are you from? I'm actually uh, raised, born in New York, raised in North Carolina. So I'm a fast-talking Southerner, but I'm currently living in Knoxville, Tennessee. So is the accent North Carolina or Tennessee? And it sounds a little Carolina-ish. It's a Carolina-ish, but the longer I'm in Tennessee, my kids laugh at me yeah. and say, you're starting to drag your words out a little bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I also forgot to mention that that for, for a brief period of time of one year, uh, I was Amy's. You had an accent? No, I did not have an accent. Oh. Uh, well, I might have had an accent, but it wasn't a Knoxville accent. I'll tell you that. Uh, it was, uh, I coached I coached Amy's son okay. for a year. That's right. Yeah, he coached my oldest, yeah. Owen. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wonder why it was only a year. Did you get fired? No, I left. Oh, okay. I left. I, I, I left. I left to, to move to Delaware. Oh, I didn't know they uh, they ran you out of they ran you out of Tennessee. Sure, if that would happen, let's, let's call it that. Hey, Fields moved to Colorado, <laughs> and we all ran. No, yeah, Fields moved. They ran, they ran Fields out too. Oh no, Fields is no. amazing. Yeah. We would have loved just running him to coaches stay. out in ten- Tennessee. <laughs> so, Amy, uh, let's talk about um, you. You recently stepped down as the. Uh, Director of Events. Uh, Vice President of Competitive Soccer for Tennessee. Vice President for Competitive Soccer for Tennessee. Uh, A job that is not easy. No. uh, Because uh, those that don't know, the Tennessee um, Soccer Association from a state cup and different events that they do is is massive. Huge. Uh, Huge from a state league perspective. It's huge. Uh, um, So what was that job like and, uh, and, and what was what was part of your role? Uh, it was first, it was an amazing position. Uh, to me, it's giving back to a game that gave so much because when you serve on a board and in that role, you're you're volunteering yeah. your time. You're not getting paid. You have to love the game. And so part of that was, uh, like you said, running the state cup, making sure that our state league schedules, working with our state admin, making sure we had the correct levels playing each other, uh, going through our D1 applicants because we only took so many teams. And if we weren't going to take you and we had you know, 13 or 14 apply, and you got to figure out who's not going to D1, why? And then explaining that. Um, the worst part of the job, unfortunately, is dealing with disciplinary hearings, and that's just part of the game. But with referee abuse and all the issues that we've had, you know, we take a tough stance in Tennessee now. If Let, you, let's dive into that. Yeah. I love that topic. So tell us a little bit more about those disciplinary hearings. Like, what did, like, what were some of the, like, you don't have to go into detail, but what were some of the things you were dealing with, like, with the referee abuse? Was it parents? Was it coaches? Was it players? It was it was all, all of the above. Not even as much the players. Players are players. They're going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to lose their temper every once in a while. But what it was is the main thing that disgusted me was the number of adults abusing minor referees. And what they don't understand is that, that's breaking the law. I mean, right. you, you can't do that. But, I mean, we had parents that went on and went after other players because they thought that there was a bad tackle on their kid and we'd have a full-on brawl. I, I was like, we're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. So in Tennessee, if you're a parent and you get tossed from a game, I'm fining you. You're going to pay 250 the second time, and you're going to be suspended from watching your child play. Second time, 500. Third time, you don't get to come back. We're done. So is that a fine to the club or the individual? It's a fine to the club because we can't fine the parent, parent, but the club passes it on to the parent. And if the club doesn't want to play it, we'll take their bond. It's real simple. Wow. We're not going to tolerate it. So it's interesting. I like it, I like that. It's been going. We 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 really put it on about two years ago and started holding people's feet to the fire. We don't have enough referees. It's a huge problem for the game. Um, we're struggling every weekend to try to find enough referees and enough referees that have been involved in the game for so long to be able to cover the higher level matches. Mm-hmm. And you say to folks, you know, I've walked up to somebody before and I'm like, you know, 
we lose 73% of our referees every year yeah. because of referee abuse. And I went up, what if you, you know, state cup, what if you won it? And I took away three quarters of your team, gave you, you know, all 75% new players. And now I'm going to tell you, go win it again. Right. You can't. If the right. talent level's not there, we're having the same problem on the ref side. Wow. Yeah. I, I like that stance. I like the sanctions. I like that you're holding people accountable. I'm, I'm sure you've noticed a, a difference. Huge difference. Um, with parents and on the sideline behavior. And the coaches, because the coach, we'll find yeah. them too and suspend them. But we went from having four, five, six, seven hearings a week to now maybe one, one or two a month because seven a week. When you start to hit people in the pocket, yeah. they learn to behave. And, and, and literally, it's making the clubs have to stand up and tell parents what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, and this is what we won't take. Our DOC, every Friday, sends out a note, and he says, have fun, have a great time, don't say a word to referees, remember they're learning like we are and no one's perfect. And it's just constantly having to remind them. That's my motto right there. Learning like we are, we're all going to make a mistake. Everybody's going to make a mistake. And I do think it's it's that learning part. I I will say that... um, that when I got to Knoxville, uh, when I when I first started coaching in Knoxville, um, outside of the fact that I, I've learned from a coaching standpoint a lot of different things tactically, technically, and things like that. But it, one of those things that that I think I learned and I started as I really immersed myself in the community of Knoxville, I think I I came in with this idea or this mentality partially from Florida, of like that with what because I was a referee before and what, what I could or could not do with, with, uh, or say to referees. And, and it, I did say, and I started getting that I was, I was checked at the door to a certain extent in Tennessee. And it was, it was an, it was an eye opening experience and something that I continue to every year. I, I continue to tell myself that this year is going to be better this year. I'm going to, I'm going to do a better job of, of, of finding a way to, to channel my emotions differently. Mm-hmm. If I am feeling frustrated, right? Not every call is going to go your way or you're going to perceive that it doesn't go your way. But I do think it's a it's a matter of how you how you channel that those emotions, and I do think that for me that learning process, which is ongoing, started in Tennessee, and I owe Tennessee a lot of gratitude for 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 a lot of things. But that that being one of them, um, because if it if it wasn't there, I wouldn't have that you know nobody would have. I mean, unless that's somebody I, you know I got my butt kicked somewhere, but, <laughs> but 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 realistically, I do I do owe a lot of gratitude to to that to that mentality of 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 you know. It's a small community, especially in Tennessee and in Knoxville, even smaller. But it's a really small community. Everyone knows everybody. I mean, Delaware is Delaware is very similar to that. Um, uh, Amy, let's talk about the fact that let's talk about w- women's the the role of women's coaches. Um, your initiative, because when we spoke the other day, that initiative that you're taking, awesome. Well, I mean, we saw it. We see it in at, at the at the collegiate level. Yeah. Julian Sitch at the University of Chicago. Um, we, we interviewed, we got the pleasure to interviewed, um, Marguerite Oazaza from, from, from UCLA today. So, um, can you, can you talk to us about what, what that means to you? Um, and as somebody that, that has historically coached boys teams as well. Yeah, I do. Um, and you enjoy that a lot. I do. It's, it's, there's, uh, very few, it's easier for women to coach two genders. I mean, especially the older we get because I'm a mother and I raised boys. So coaching boys for me is is not a big deal. You seem no nonsense either. I'm no nonsense. I can tell. Amy, Amy is 100% no nonsense. So you probably, you probably enjoy coaching boys. You wrangle them right in. You do. I do. And they, they hate me for about a week and a half and then they love me. And then we're, (laughs) we're good to go for the whole rest of the 
season. But um, Sebastian is one of the is one of the very few coaches that I've had the pleasure of watching flip genders. He can go from coaching boys to coaching girls, and and he and Fields were the same way. Their entire mentality changed. They knew that talking to boys, you can come in and it's very straightforward. You come over to girls; they're emotional creatures. You have to change your approach. And so, um, as a female coach. What I've loved is that it started in a collegiate, like you said, in the collegiate level. They started stopping recruiting periods and whatnot over Christmas holidays so that female coaches weren't on the roads. They could stay home with their families. But one of the big things that we're doing in Tennessee is that we're raising money for a women's program. Because if you've got a couple, they're married, they have a baby, both of them coach. We don't get paid enough as coaches to pay for babysitters and you're passing your kid off to random people. And during COVID, you could not do that. So what we want to be able to do is raise that money to pay for that babysitter, pay for that daycare so that that female can continue to coach and not have to give that up so her husband can continue to coach or vice versa. If the husband was going to stay home, I'm happy to pay for him to be able to continue to coach as well. Um, I don't think that having a family should be a barrier to coaching. It should be an addition and and make your life even better. So we're trying to help pay for offsetting those costs and helping to pay to get more females to the next level with their with their coaching license. We're happy to help pay for that because we don't have enough, you know, C, B, and A licensed coaches that are females or yeah, instructors. Nobody is going to want to watch Ethan. That's the problem. My, my son. Uh, <laughs> that, that's Ethan, the problem. Ethan, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, I hope you have a long list of babysitters. <laughs> yeah, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan might go. No, no, he likes it when other people watch him. He just doesn't like his parents. Um, so, but let's. Where, where does that recruitment start for for coaches, and and how do you how do you work with the clubs in the state to to try to figure that out? Yeah, you've got to. It's talking to the players. If you're going to go on and you're going to continue to play as a collegiate player, then when you're done, eventually you're going to be done in your playing career unless you've gone on to play in the WPSL or you're going on to the national team or or whatnot. It's getting those females and staying stay involved in the game. We need more women in the game. So instead of you know, just going off and being done with soccer or just being a player. Hey, come into coaching now. Let us bring you into the fold. We'll give you some education. We're going to show you, bring you out. You know, hang out with me. I'm mentoring a I'm mentoring a high school kid right now who wants to be a coach, wants to go to college, major in sports management, and be a coach. So he is mentoring me. He's following me around. He comes to all my practice sessions. But that's a young man. But we're doing the same thing for the females. Come, hang out. Stay involved in the game. It's the same thing with refereeing. If you don't want to play, if you if you can't, if you're done playing, coach, ref, do something. Stay involved in the game if you loved it that much. I don't know about you guys, but soccer gave me so much that if I can give back to the game any chance I get, I'm willing to do it. It made me the person I am today. Absolutely. I mean, I that's kind agree. of the reason why this podcast exists, to be honest with you. That's the reason why I'm here. Yeah. Um, I was bored when I when I finished. You know, I thought it would be you know, finished playing soccer and I was kind of it and then I was just bored and there was nothing to do. You know, I was used to every night being on a soccer field yeah. or at practice and helping kids get better. So then that's why I got into coaching. And I think the more it, it's it's so much more apparent now that we need so many more female coaches. The ratios are just bizarre. I mean, yeah. even walking around here at the conference, you I mean, it. you see it. And uh, at Tennessee Select in Knoxville, our goalkeeper coach is a female. Well, she goes in all these sessions. She's probably one of the only ones in there. It's all male goalkeeper yeah, coaches. It, 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 you need a female. You I mean, did. especially at the older ages. Too, you did. Right? You need a, a female coaches. And even I mean, all the ages. But 
I think the oldest and the youngest ages really are the most impactful mm-hmm. because those younger girls, they see a girl, they're like, oh, you're so pretty. And then they, it just bring, makes them want to come to practice every day. Well, it was fun because when I would like meet somebody from another part of the state at State Cup or at regionals or whatnot, and someone would introduce me and say, this is Amy Winley. She's the vice president of competitive soccer. They would look at me with these huge eyes. You are in charge of competitive soccer? And I went, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Felt like I needed to walk around shaking glass. You can <laughs> you can shatter the ceilings too, girls, you know? <laughs> it's just staying with it, keeping the passion, and and giving back to the things that give you so much in life. And that's soccer for me. And you, you so you moved to Tennessee probably a year or right around the same time that I did, I think. 2012, 2012, yeah. 13, yeah. Yeah, so right around the same time I as, as I did. And you've lived in different states. Mm-hmm. Um, so where have you seen the differences between Tennessee as a state and from a, from a soccer perspective in different states? And where have you seen the growth within the the last you know, 10, 11 years that you lived in Tennessee? It's it's incredible. When I first came up to Tennessee, I mean, just our numbers, uh, the number of players that we've increased with, the number of, of teams just in state league and not even in state league, just even those teams that are coming in a recreational level. I mean, we are the numbers have gone through the roof, but I have to hand that off to Hans Hobson. He does such an amazing, he's the executive, well, he's our COO now. We've retitled him uh, executive director COO for uh, Tennessee State Soccer. He's been there for a long time. He's been there for a long time, and he is one of the most amazing men in the game. Um, And he he, he makes me laugh because he goes, I'm also in touch with my feminine side. And I I laugh at him because he's he's, he's coached both genders as well. So he does such a great job. But Fields is, I mean, um, Hans's passion for the game has helped to grow it, having good state administrators offering uh, really good leagues, getting them sanctions important. Um, and but when I first came in, I'd come I've lived in five states in the region. I grew up playing in North Carolina. So that's where I played all of my soccer. And then I founded a club down in South Alabama. We were the Daphne Strike and now it's the Gulf Coast Rangers. And then I came up to Tennessee. So from going from North Carolina to Alabama was a little bit of a culture shock. No offense to Alabama, but soccer is very strong in North Carolina. And then to go from Alabama up to Tennessee, it was like kind of giving me a little bit of what I was missing from my North Carolina side. But as you know, the the strength in the state has mainly been in the center and in the West and the East is really starting to catch up now. So it's made it a lot more competitive, even all the way up. We're a very wide state. We're a very wide state. Yeah, no, no. We're, we're, we're six hours or even eight corner to corner for going to Kingsport. Yeah. Yeah. So it has grown so much. And, and that's what's, what's been nice is watching that growth, watching the development, the number of instructors that we've added, um, the state pushes that they'll help pay for people to go and get those licenses. So we have more instructors because we're having the same problem. Everybody is there's not enough instructors, so we can't get to that next coaching license. Same thing, same side with the referee. So, well, and, and at least when I was there, um, in order for you to be able to coach uh, either division one or division two, you have to have special, you have to, not special, you have to have a certain level of licenses. So for, for me, when I coached division two, I needed to have a division, uh, a D license, that's and changed. So has that is that is that similar or has that changed completely? That has changed. And I think that was a barrier for coaches because a lot of them had not had a chance to get their D and I mean at division two and then and then you had a backlog of of coaches trying to get licenses to be able to coach a, a D two U thirteen team. I mean, come on. So no, um in Tennessee now you can coach D two with uh with your E and then but to coach division one you have to have a D or greater. I think what's division? What's division one? What's division two? 
Uh, D1, D2, D3, and State League. Um, so, like, Division One would be our top teams in the state. And then Division Two, you know, middle of the road. And then your your Division Three are coming up from competitive, uh, recreational to competitive for the so, first time. So, basically, Division One, Division One is on a, is on the National Championship Series path to try to go to regionals. Okay. Yeah. Our um, state champions will go to regionals for Division One and President's Cup for Division, Division two. two. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah it was just yeah, like D one, D two, and, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. I mean, obviously to anybody listening, there obviously the first thing you think about is college, right? Yeah, but that's your state league. Yeah, yeah. So, it's from, it's from so a there's state no league. like EDP. There's no like EDP. Well, obviously EDP is not everywhere, but there's no like no no. The way that Tennessee works, it's actually it's really interesting, um, and I think it's 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 evolved and it's changed since I was there. Um, but when I was there, there was really no, especially at the U U nine through U twelve age groups, there was some local leagues. But for the most part, you had to schedule your own scrimmages and you had to come up with your own schedule. So I was part of my job when I coached a I coached the U eleven third team at the time. Um, uh, part of my job was to try to reach out to all these other clubs to try to schedule as many scrimmages or friendlies as I possibly could. So then it was our all right, our second team and our third team can go and play. Uh, Chattanooga mm-hmm. and go and play their second team and their third team. And then we do a little round robin. So that way everybody, you know, you maximize the day and things like that. But you had to, you had to schedule kind of your own thing and then you did tournaments. Um, but then after, as, as you got older, then you, you had a state league game. So I remember uh, Owen's team, um, the crew. Oh yeah. And that was, that was the name of the team was, was crew. Uh, so we played in division two state uh-huh. league and, um, and again, I had a schedule of state league games that I had to schedule, and then you know you went and played them, and then if you you know got into whatever, I forget what top whatever, eight, what top, yeah, and then you you either made it to to the state tournament or not, yeah. Um, and then I was with Fields with with one of his teams, and when he made it to the state tournament, we were we were there and things like that. So that was it, I went to in the Gunners. The Gunners, that was the Gunners, uh, yeah. Of course, for you, of course, with Fields, right? God forbid, Gunners. they were the Gunners. Yeah, and then uh, it was Leon. I'm Le- I'm, Leon I'm was assuming, the other one. I'm assuming they lost a lot of games, right? <laughs> they were actually really good. They were a really good team. It was really okay. good team. Well, Arsenal's having a good year this yeah, year, so I guess once in a while, right? Yeah. Uh, well, they're sitting in the number one spot right yeah, now, right. aren't they? And I'm my team's about to be relegated. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, let me cover my eyes, Southampton fan. No, I'm just kidding. We won today. Beat Everton. So there you go. I'll take it. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how Tennessee Tennessee works, and I and I I do think that it's interesting to me. And when I got to Delaware, and I started realizing how Eastern Pennsylvania worked, how Maryland worked, how Delaware worked, how Jersey worked, um, you realize how different the state associations are across the entire country. They are. Um, and it, for example, even as simple as like when I first got here, we were talking about something about um, somebody was talking about a player leaving mid season. And I was like, wait, what about the recruitment rule? And they're like, what do you mean recruitment? And I was like, well, was like in Tennessee, there was a recruitment rule of like, you couldn't contact the player. Like if the parent reached out, that was different, but a coach couldn't contact another player directly if I'm without permission and things like that. And like, so it's really interesting how, how internally, um, do you think at some point you being a you, you were part of the the board of directors of the city association? Do you think at some point U.S. soccer is going to try to try to have some sort of standard across? Because right now it does seem like everyone kind of does whatever they want. It can be a free for all. Our policy in Tennessee is policy twenty six, and that actually has changed again. I mean, it's like an ever revolving policy. But what we did is is we noticed that like a lot of coaches would leave, go to that one club. Especially in your, you know, you're looking at Nashville or in Knoxville. So if I'm at Club A and I go to Club B and I take my whole team with me. So what we did in Policy 26 is said, 
You can go anywhere you want to, coach. You're an independent contractor. But if you change clubs, you can't coach the players you previously coached for a year. So now your team can't follow you. Well, they can, but they won't be playing for you. And so that stops a lot of that, um, which made it nicer. I mean, it's hard for clubs because you count on a budget. You got players that are committed and then a whole team leaves. And you're like, whoa, what happened? Um, They just followed a coach. So we've eliminated that issue um, that way. But there's got to be some sort of standard across the the U.S. And that if that's got to lay on the shoulders, especially in youth soccer on USU, they've got to yep. do a better job of that. It's it's just insane out there. So they have to do a better job. Um, Amy, what can we do before we wrap up? What can we do from a from a local perspective, whether you know it's us in Delaware or anybody anywhere else listening? Um, what can we do to help grow the game? and offer more opportunities for for women coaches? Um, in my opinion, recruit, recruit, recruit. Get out there, get them involved. Be, a, be, be, be available as a club to help them cover, or your state, to help cover those daycare costs, um, to keep them involved, help them to get that next license, um, encourage them. Family-oriented clubs that embrace moms that have babies. I mean, I walked around on the sideline, poor Owen spent the majority of his first three years in a backpack while I coached on a sideline and then Sammy. So, I mean, it's just, we learned to adapt to that and that's just what's going to continue. But states need to go out and, and physically make an attempt to continue to keep women in the game. Let me keep you in the game. Stop burning out our players and then keep them involved in the game so that they want to coach or they want to ref or they want to be an admin or whatnot, but we need more female leadership in greater positions. And I don't mean just putting a female in there because she's a female. I want her to be a good female. I want her to be deserving of that job. When I took on the VP job, it was my most, all I kept saying is I will not fail. I was the first female vice president of competitive soccer for Tennessee. I was not going to fail. I was not going to be that woman that took on that job and failed. And so I gave it a lot of my time. And I'm so thankful for the experience that I gained. Um, Our president, John Schneider, pretty much gave me free reign once he got used to me and (laughs) my crazy ways. And, you know, I'm forever in in debt to Hans Hobson. Um, Tennessee soccer has been phenomenal for me. Uh, they have allowed me to grow as a leader, and 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 now I'm back into coaching again, which is my passion. So, and Scott Muir uh, has done a great job letting me just come back in and run my run my team. So, I'm I'm very appreciative of every state that I've been involved in, and all the chances that I've had to learn and grow the game. And every chance I get, I, I brace women, talk to them. But if you can bring that enthusiasm to your female players, they're going to want to stay in the yeah, game. Absolutely. They're going to want to coach. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank was, you for it was, having me. It was me. awesome. It was awesome to have. I feel like it's a little reunion, so it was really nice. It really is. And it's so good to see you. So good to meet you. And I've always loved your passion for the game, Sebastian. Like you said, I I, I met you at the beginning and look at where you are now, man. I mean, and it's your passion for the game. I so that. Argentina. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you got the World Cup, so baby. Right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I was going to do that, right? I knew no, you, did. you did. You did. You did. I gave, I gave you warning. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Thank you. It was good talking to you guys. Dwayne, what happened yesterday after 33 years? Uh, Napoli won, finally. Well, Napoli's tied. Napoli tied, but they, with that, they're able to secure their first Scudetto in 33 years. There we go. Um, do you know that Italy has had four, four uh, league champions in the last four years? 
four different yeah, regions. And neither, none of them have been. Maybe Juventus was the one that won four years ago, like the farthest away. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Juve, then Inter, Milan. then Milan last year, and then now Napoli. Getting back to old Italy days, man. Yeah. Roma boys need to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, um, so yeah, congratulations to them. Big. Let's celebrate by uh, going to get a Stromboli. All right. <laughs> what? Yeah, I had this Stromboli last week. It's way off topic. I had this Stromboli last week. I don't know what made me want a Stromboli. Best Stromboli. Yo, you know who's got a good Stromboli? Who? Grottos. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, so Grottos was one of the places I thought about, but no, you got to go to Giacomo's. I don't Pizza's know Delight by Giacomo's. Now run by a former... Maybe he was in Delaware Union. Maybe he was right at the end of CDSA player. Okay. Play with my brother back in the day. But yeah, go take, go down there, Dover, Green Tree Shopping Center, show him some love. Um, but he's, Grotto, a, he's a Milan fan, though. So Grotto's also Grotto's also has a a good. Uh, so you, you, hey, maybe you maybe you get a maybe you get a Stromboli at Grotto's. Nah. If you happen to if you happen to drive by at some point this weekend. Nah, I ain't drive by in Grotto's this weekend, man. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna drive by this uh Green Tree shopping center and get my uh Gotcha. If I drive by Grotto's, that means I gotta stop by at Dell State and say what's up uh, to Kyle. Dude, what's up to Kyle? Yeah, there you go. Um or I gotta I, go down to the outlets. <laughs> um Philadelphia Union got knocked out. Yeah, they got smoked. You watched it. I watched the first half and then I fell asleep. But yeah, they got smoked. Three nothing. Uh, I think and I, I we talked about this a few episodes ago. What happened is the union did not get better in the offseason. Yeah. So they made the final and kind of said, Hey, we got a good group. You know, we promote from within. You know, you lose a Paxton Aronson who, you know, was a good player but didn't really have he didn't really change the course. You know, he was good to come off the bench. They sell him, get four mil back. You know, you bring in um Joaquin Torres. Joaquin Torres, yeah. And you bring in uh Bono, you bring in a couple other guys. But you didn't bring in anybody that challenges anybody your start. You said, Hey, we're good with our starters. Like realistically, the only guy that starts now is Jack McGlenn over Leon Flock, and Leon Flock sucks. So <laughs> They didn't bring anybody in to make them better, right? So, like, always so, always so this like we gotta. So, you and I are gonna, you and I are gonna get into a little bit of an argument here. Um, we should, we should start choosing the the words that we use because we don't know who's listening to our podcast. I mean, I'll, I mean, listen, I'll tell him for a fact, like, dude, you got to get better. Like, I don't know what you're doing in your routine. I don't mean it like he sucks as like he's just not playing well. Okay, well then that's a different word. Like so that's a different choice of words, right? He's not playing well. So you don't you as your personal opinion is that you don't think he's playing up to the potential that he can as a player. It's not my personal opinion, it's facts because he's not starting anymore. That that's fine, but <laughs> but but that he's not playing up to the level that he has the ability to play. Uh, not playing at the level that he's a professional. Yeah, there you go. All right, fair enough. But I just want to make sure I don't wanna I don't want listen, I don't know who's listening to our podcast, but if we got anybody listening to our podcast that 
may or may not be affiliated with the Philadelphia Union. And in any sort of way, I don't want to offend somebody from uh, choosing to take part. Well, I apologize for my choice of words. Leon Flock needs to be better. Right? He needs uh, to be better. Right? Okay. Jack McGlynn's kind of unseated him and he's balling. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think the union, I think the thing is, you know, it's hard to, I think it's just, I think it's what happens with any professional team, right? Especially when you have a really, really good year or you've built up to a really good year, right? It, um, you know, there's, you have to at some point adapt. And I think they're going through that adaptation phase of figuring out how to, how to push the limits even more, right? They reached the peak or, or got to as close as you can to a certain extent. And then after that, like, how do you, so again, one of my favorite books is called Legacy. It's about the New Zealand All Black. So it's, it, it's the, one of the things that one of the, the, the models or creeds in there, it says, when you're at the top of your game, change it. Absolutely. Right? right. You have to be able to change and adapt. Right. And even goes back to what Lou used to tell us during practices, right? The moment you feel like, it's starting to, it doesn't look like what it should look like anymore. You're done. Like when times, even, even when you feel like it looks really, really good, that's when you should stop it because you're never getting that back again. Nope. Right. I think that back. So, so, I mean, I think, and I mean, you look at, look at the warriors. Let's use the warriors, right? They've had a dynasty. They've been very successful over the past couple of years. They have a core group of guys that have been on that team. They have a coach. There's a core group of guys on that team. But everybody on that team has been the same from each year, whether it's two, three, four guys have impacted each one of those championships, right? Andre Iguodala at the beginning, right? Sean Livingston at the beginning, right? Andrew Wiggins in this last one. So, like, they brought in, in basketball, obviously has five, soccer has 11, but they brought in different guys to compete every year to raise the level. The union are putting up the same 11 guys with the exception of one, this year right so there is no one there to help raise that level there's no one there that's going to say push the envelope push the envelope. hey i'm coming for your spot yeah well and you saw with real madrid a little bit right like real madrid's kind of in the same boat right yes they're successful in the champions league um but but when you look at it from the standpoint of like <clears throat> you're successful in the champions league but in the league you're now in third place because you don't Again, you're you're missing that rotation of players, right? You're missing the ability to compete at both levels and be really good at really good at both levels, right? So, um, so I think that's a part of it. I think it's just any within any growth of any sport of sport organization, there's always that rebuilding moment when you've hit the top of your when you've hit your peak to a certain extent. How do you rebuild it? How do you readjust? And it's not easy. Um, it, no, it's really absolutely. And, not easy. And, and by no means is it easy to. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we look at Real Madrid, right? You're playing in the Champions League. You're playing in uh, Copa del Rey. You're playing yeah. in uh, La Liga, right? Those are three competitions. Those are three opportunities to rotate yeah. everybody in your squad, right? Yeah. MLS, you got the Champions League if you qualify, right? With yeah. the top four teams or three teams qualify. Um, and then you have the U.S. Open Cup, which is you join at the round of 32. So in reality, you have 
if you advance all the way, you only get an extra, what, four or five games. Now you have the League's Cup that's coming up. Yeah. But, like, you don't really – if you do carry a larger squad, you don't really have the opportunity to play all those guys either. So then you got to mm-hmm. keep – it's how do I balance out keeping it competitive while also playing everybody. Yeah, no, it's tough. At least to play, so. For sure. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but you def- you could definitely tell that the, the union, you know, getting knocked out those isn't good. I mean, you definitely got some good experiences going down to Mexico, Guatemala. But it might help, right? It might it might be the, the kickstart to, to regaining the focus back in the league. Well, yeah, I think that was, I mean, you're, they're sitting outside the playoffs right now. You can you could tell by the way they were putting out lineups that they weren't, they weren't blowing the league off, but their priorities was the champions. Yeah, which makes sense. She's going to make um, them a better team when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah. Well, if they make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Player match. Hold on. Well, yeah. let's talk about the new MLS playoff format. We were supposed to talk about that oh, a few weeks ago. We were. Yeah. Do you have it? Yeah. So it's kind of like the basketball. Um, Does it play in now? Yeah. So it's kind of like basketball now. Um, so it's going to be a best of three series. Well, let's start with the play-in. Okay. Um, so you have the wild card. So seed eight and seed nine will make yeah. the wild card. So it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like baseball. Yeah. It's like a one. Yeah. Uh, so the higher seed will host. Yeah. Goes straight into PKs if it's tied at the end of the game. So it's a one-off game. It's a one-off game. Yeah. Eight versus nine in the East, eight versus nine in the West. Got it. And then that whoever wins that game becomes the eighth seed. Becomes the eighth seed. Yeah. So round one is just you got to win two games to advance. Okay. So it's a best of three series. Okay. No ties, no aggregate. Two wins gets you in. No aggregate. So, no aggregate. No ties. So you can go to PKs in game one. PKs at the end of the game. In game one. Game one. And need a winner. Wow. Okay. So. I'm assuming the higher seed hosts two. The higher seed hosts two. So it goes higher, lower, higher. Um. So, yeah. And then it basically you're still paired one through eight, two through seven, three through six, four through five. Wow. Um, Interesting format. Is that for all the, for all the, all the rounds? No, so conference semifinal just goes into single uh, elimination. So one-off. One-off. Okay. And conference final is the same thing. And then obviously the final is one game. So. Wow, okay. And some more soccer. Yeah. Um, Which would be, I, I mean, we, and I mean, again, it's basketball playoffs right now. You saw the Lakers come in as a seven seed and knock off or come in from the play-in. Same thing. Same thing with Miami. Yeah. Come in from the play-in and then win their series. Yes. So that'll be interesting. Um, Now the play-in obviously team for MLS will be playing the number one seed. So that'll definitely be a challenge. But if you could steal that game at home, you know, you, you, Lose the first leg, but you win your home game. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's pretty tough. Yeah, so I think it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. 
we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah might be too much it might be too much we'll, too much we'll see. they might yeah um all right player of the match player of the match you, i mean you and i probably should have the same one the local player no no oh. are you picking I, i'm picking erling uh for setting that record yeah i was thinking local I mean, yeah, you can pick local too. I mean, yeah, but like, I just think what he's able to do record premier league record for all goal for goals in a season, 35 goals. So I did read that the goal for the most league for the most goals, um, in a league in England was 60 goals. This is probably what? 1960. 1927-28. You sure there wasn't a couple extra tally marks down there? (laughs) A guy was at the pub. A player by the name Dixie Dean. Dixie, that's where we got the Dixie Cups from. Yeah, Dixie Dean. Played at Everton. Everton. (laughs) Actually, Uh we should be talking about this relegation battle. Where a couple of topics that we needed to add to this podcast. We might not have enough time. We might have to push that to next week and see where we are. Yeah, talk about you. You don't want to talk about the three stars either. What about the three stars? Messi went to try out in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, listen, man. And they got suspended for going to tryouts. And he's gonna leave PSG in a world where PSG fans leave or PSG fans are chanting against Messi outside of the stadium when he's not even there. It, it's it's ridiculous. He should leave France and never go back to France, not even for the Champions League. If he's ever had to play PSG wherever he plays next, he'll just skip that game and never go back to France. They were outside uh, of Neymar's house. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, and I don't want to offend anybody that's French, but uh, I don't like any of you anymore. <laughs> just gonna just gonna throw that out there. I, I just I got I got I got no sympathy for for your crying about the fact that Messi wants to Listen, man, you got the best player in the world, and all you've done is uh is just rain on his parade. Like you really just mad about the fact that he beat you, beat Mbappe in them in the in the World Cup final. Um and that's it. You got like nah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Somebody yesterday, yesterday I was listening to this kid talk about the fact that uh in 2018 France won the World Cup. And I was like, Yeah, but Within that, France was actually down a goal against Argentina in the round of sixteen. Um, so and and all, that game almost ended up tying, like tied. The the twenty eighteen Argentina roster, Argentina World Cup was an absolute disaster. But within that disaster, there was a glimpse of hope of, of almost beating France. So, just want to throw that out there too. But yeah, Erling Holland's my player of the match. I'm giving my player the match to Gabby Riley. I think this was yours last week. It was. Uh, walk-off goal against her crosstown rivals. From um, 30 yards out? I guess. We would call it 30. But walk-off goal. Yeah. Call it a walk-off. I don't know if there's walk-off goals in soccer. No. I mean, I guess it's... For it's a goal to goal. So I guess you get you get to walk out <laughs> as soon as it happens. And she walked out after that little halftime and... Yeah. Put it in her own hands. Yeah. I mean, way to back. I mean, you, re, you commit to the University of Delaware, then you back up the hype and say, this is what I do. 
Yeah, it's a good goal. Um, all right, on this day in soccer history, May fifth, nineteen ninety one. This is a this is an Argentina one. Uh, Ricardo Bocchini, known as El Bocha, played his last game for Independiente. Um, other famous player from Independiente, Dwayne. Independiente. Yeah. Ronaldinho. Ronaldo. Dude, Argentina. Argentina. Oh. They're red and white, though. They are. Sorry. They're mostly uh, just red. Uh, Aguero? No. Aguero. Yeah, that's right. Aguero? Yeah. Aguero. Yep. Um, and also Barco. I used to play in Atlanta. Uh, Ezekiel. Yeah. What's he up to nowadays? He's he's on loan in Argentina. Oh, man. That's, he was a good player. Yeah. He'll be back. Yeah. Boy. Should have went across the other ocean. Um, so May 5th, 1991. So Bocini is, uh, is, probably one of the he's one of the legends in Argentinian football history in general he won the 1986 World Cup even though he didn't play as much Um, but his other part of it is he played 634 league matches for Independiente he only played in that club never left had the ability to leave just never left that's like Totti Um, so he is the player he's the field player with the most amount of appearances in the Argentinian prim, uh, first division, six hundred and thirty-four games. So, um, and he might have been one of the best tens in the nineteen eighties. Better than Diego. Different kind of player, but yeah, different kind of player, different kind of ten, different kind of ten. Um, all right, the Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week award. Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week award. Mine, I'm going to give mine to the Liverpool physios. Athletic trainer, physical therapist for Liverpool uh, because uh, good old Jurgen Klopp uh, pulled his hamstring uh, during the goal celebration against uh, Tottenham, right? Yep, in Spurs. Uh, pulled his hamstring in the last goal celebration. Um <laughs> So fair play, fair play to those guys that and and women who or whoever's taking care of them. I give mine out to Premier League Hall of Fame. It's relatively new, okay. Um, but honoring the guys that have had it because I mean the Premier League is also less or probably around thirty years old. Yeah, it's not very. This is only their third class that they just inducted um a couple days ago. So recognizing the guys that had. Careers, I mean, some of them went to other countries and had careers, but guys that made an impact in the Premier League game. Who who was in? Who got in? Uh, Rio Ferdinand got in. Okay. Um, there's a coach that got in. Uh, let's see. I mean, looks like Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson, Rio Ferdinand, Peter Check, Petr Check, Arsene Wenger, and Tony Adams. Yeah, look at that. And then also in the Hall of Fame is Patrick Vieira, Wayne Rooney, Ian Wright, Peter Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, Drugba, Vincent Company, Sergio Aguero. Yeah. Argentinian. There you go. That's right. Um, 
and then Alan Shear, who Henry, Alan Shear, one of the record holders that Erling beat. Just beat, yep. Eric Cantona. Roy Eric Cantona. Keen. Cantona. Sorry, I'm American. <laughs> David Beckham. <laughs> Dennis Bergkamp, Frank Lampard, and Steven Gerrard. So, I mean, that's a that's a solid. First three classes are solid. Yo, yo, can they do like an alumni game? I would watch. I would. I would. I would pay money to watch all those guys play now. Alumni and have Ferguson and Wenger coach. What do you have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, five, nine, five. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We got 27. 77. Give me a little 77 with some subs. You got two goalkeepers in there. You got Schmeichel and, and check. Uh, yeah. girl can't play. Let's let's go. Let's go. There's some defenders in there. There's some midfielders. You got everything, man. You got, you got everything. Eric Cantona might two foot somebody and kill somebody, but it's all right. Um, 77 yeah. might not be David Beckham style, though. He can't whip no ball in there. <laughs> Got to make it make it 77 and 11 v 11 field. Yeah, that way he can, <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to see who can still. Somebody's going to pull a hamstring trying to go to the end of one of his crosses or free yeah. kicks. Um, uh, but I, I mean, it's cool. I it's mean, cool, yeah. I like that. So we'll see who's. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that need to be added yeah, to this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. If, um, uh, Big Sam saves Leeds United. He's definitely solidifying himself into <laughs> into uh, the Hall of Fame for yeah. saving all these clubs. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what a fun episode. Episode 149. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. Thank you.